Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon's Pro Wrestling Show. This is Simon Miller and you are listening to a pro wrestling show. Sorry, there was no episode last week. I don't want to bore you with my personal life, but I have a really, really bad issue with my eye. I know if you listened before, you already know this, but just in case you're brand new and I've managed to wrangle some new listeners and I had so many appointments last week and I can't sleep because of the pain. I was tired. I was exhausted. I was behind. And unfortunately, something I did have to give, which is not an excuse. It's not an excuse, especially because uh, I get support for this podcast through patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. Cheap plug. Didn't mean it to be that way, but it is now. And you have to live up to those things, but hopefully you can understand. Just try and equate it to something that happened in your life that really, really sucked and was really, really painful. So it was just me taking a few days for myself. However... I seem to have come back in a very good week because not only can we talk about Survivor Series 2020, but we can also talk about the fact that Drew McIntyre just re-won the World Heavyweight Championship, the WWE title, from Drew Randy Orton. Wow, to my brain there. My brain just switched off. Absolutely incredible. I mean, it was one of those things where I look back now and I'm like, how did we not know this? I mean, I'm sure some people did, and I'm sure you're great at predicting professional wrestling, and you're the best, and I love you, but... There was no way that WWE was going to double down with all that stuff on SmackDown between Roman and Drew and not pay it off in some fashion, especially because we'd seen it with AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, you know, Jinder Mahal, all these titles changing hand in the years prior to these uh, Raw versus SmackDown shows. And really, I actually thought it made for a great weekend of WWE TV. Like you see some people, and I get this, there's an argument to be had, but you get some people who go, oh no, you know, they're not thinking about the ratings, they need to promote it better. And I've said those words. But ultimately, we don't need to care about that. Ratings don't matter to us. Promotional activity doesn't care about us. That's stuff that WWE should be doing from a business point of view. But from a fan's perspective, again... We got the biggest star on Raw, Crashing SmackDown. Doesn't have the gravitas that it should have because the brand split is nonsense. But we still had it and it was still fun. And then we had a World Championship title change for the first time in five years on Raw. And I really, really dug it. And if you are you know, talking about those ratings too, people did stick around for the third hour. And that precious 18 to 49 demo went up from the second hour. So people did want to see that match. And the fact that you got a title change, I actually think will leave a more satisfying taste in people's mouths. So maybe they do come back next week, especially because of course, that will be the show after the Survivor Series, which again, on paper is a big deal. Like it absolutely is. They don't treat it lightly. And having a match like Roman versus Drew, I mean, I don't think we're going to get a winner, segueing straight into predictions like I meant to do this. I don't think we're going to get a winner just because I don't see how you pin Drew McIntyre given that he only just beat Randy Orton for the world title. That seems counterproductive to me. And I don't think anybody should be beating Roman Reigns to WrestleMania at the earliest. And at the moment, we have such a, you know, a, a diamond, not even a diamond in the rough, it's just a diamond. We have such a diamond with Roman Reigns and this tribal chief character. Maybe even WrestleMania is too soon. You're going to get more out of it if you go to the WrestleMania in 2022. And some people roll their eyes at that. But if you could come up with a plan to make it that long term, you know, look at The Undertaker, 30-year streak, right? We can talk about that one day. I think somebody did ask me about that. Someone actually said, you know, do I agree or disagree with Brock Lesnar beating the streak? And I kind of go to and fro from it. And I think most people do. And I think most people should. Did Brock Lesnar need it? Maybe not necessarily, but he did have not terrible feuds, but bad finishes to feuds with Triple H and John Cena, which kind of did underline him a little bit. You know, it pulled the carpet from under him just a teeny bit. But you know, even if he didn't need it, him getting it did turn him into the final boss. And then when he wrecks John Cena at Survivor Series, Survivor Series, SummerSlam a few months later, Brock Lesnar is the guy. And we've been riding those fumes for, what, five, six years. So you can't say that it wasn't a benefit. And if you can, look, you're never going to be able to do that again because, A, it was never meant to be a 30-year plan. It started off organically. And I just don't think you could do it in the modern day. I don't think anybody has the patience, uh, more so behind the scenes and in terms of the fans. Or maybe the fans too, actually, saying that. But if you could try and eke this whole thing out for 18 months, I certainly would be behind it. Not that you have to. Again, you're going to have to come up with something really good because even I eventually will uh, get a little bit tired of it. The point being, you do not want to be either of them at Survivor Series. So what do you do? Well, you bring the Miz out. And this is probably why he got given the briefcase. So maybe there actually was some uh, long-term thinking in this sense. He'll come out. He'll try and cash in the money in the bank briefcase. That will turn it into a triple threat match, which we know courtesy of Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31. 
And then you can either just have Drew McIntyre claim or kick him and put that feud to bed because they have been buying heads on Raw. Or you can have Otis come out. He can distract The Miz. So The Miz saves a little bit of face. And then he turns around and gets Claymore kicked. One, two, three. Drew wins. Roman loses, but he doesn't. You know, all the heat will go on to um, and The Miz and, and so on and so forth. That I would think, I think uh, half of me wants Otis to do it because I think he deserves a little bit of revenge from a character standpoint. But another half is that I already think we're going to get a lot of Gargar on the show and a lot of shenanigans. But I wouldn't be against that. I think it would be fun. It would be a bit overbooked, but it's all about the execution at the end of the day. And nothing I've seen from Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre makes me doubt that they won't be able to pull it off. In terms of why he did win the belt too, again, I did a video on what culture wrestling about this. Please do check it out. I just think it's because Vincent Mann changes his mind all the time. Everyone said that SmackDown last week got written at the last minute. So maybe Drew just got slunk in there. I'm sure they're all hanging around the performance center, the performance center, the Thunderdome in some sense. And then I, I would suppose it happened because they decided to change the title last minute. But above that too, it's what Survivor Series represents. Vince McMahon genuinely believes that tagline, best versus the best. And right now, the biggest baby face in the company is Drew and the biggest heel is Roman. So he wants to pit those two together because well, he thinks it's a marquee match and he'll never tease something that he can't pay off. That's always been his mantra. So that's why we should have known. We should have known because even on the Stove Cold Steve Austin podcast, when Paul Heyman was the guest, and, you know, it ended seeming like we were going to get some kind of Austin versus Brock program. Vince McMahon was livid and he slapped them both on the wrist and he said, don't ever do that again because we're never going to do that match. So it was a little bit more obvious than even I anticipated. I wasn't really paying attention, I suppose. But yeah, I think that The Miz will be used as a, as a tool to get out of this, which again begs the question, why the hell do we book it to begin with? But that's a podcast for a different time. I think it will be fun. And with this Survivor Series card, I think ultimately that's all you can do. Just try and make it as fun as possible and, and, and move on from there. Kind of this, and this is what I mean by shenanigans. I think you're going to get it in the Oscar versus Sasha Banks match too. I think you've got Bailey and Carmella waiting in the wings and not using them seems baffling to me. From what we've seen on TV, like why wouldn't Carmella get involved if she's got all this hatred towards Sasha Banks and it's the same with Bailey and also you know it gets you out of that one but and it sets up the Carmella of Sasha Banks feud but also Bailey has extra impetus then because she could be like haha you couldn't be Oscar without me which is what I said but also technically you've now lost as Smackdown Women's Champion in any other match you would have lost your title therefore again you need me by your side and you can build back to that feud and I don't think Carmella's going to win that title and so on and so forth it's good because Oscar wins and I'm never going to be against that probably the best wrestler in the company can argue it till the cows come home but in my dream world what you would do here because it has the potential to be the best match of the night if you let it be let it go 20 25 30 minutes let them have an absolute barn burner and then give me a winner and make sure you tell me the story that, say, Oscar wins, she won, you know, by the skin of the teeth. And if Sasha Banks is the same thing, like we're talking about fine margins here. I would much rather we, you know, try to pull that off. But it's just, it's not really what WWE does because they're so worried about beating their champions, even though sometimes it's about how they lose. But I could be wrong. I hope I'm proven wrong. But even then, if you want to get on your, <laughs> on your sort of plot hole, plot hole uh, hobby horse or high horse, yeah, why wouldn't Bailey and Carmella do this? Of course they would. So anyway, if you're trying to keep up to date, Drew McIntyre wins that one. Oscar wins that one. Maybe not because I've just picked two Raw guys. Maybe they're not that bothered this year. I don't know. Uh, but when we come to the champions versus champions tag team match, I am going for the Street Profits simply because they need it more. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods are such a, a legendary tag team no matter what they do. Got put into Gears of War this week. And talking about outside activities, Sasha Banks and the Mandalorian, man. What an All these guys are inspirations. Imagine you're in a Star Wars TV show. You're in Gears of War, one of the best games ever. A real game with real guns about a real war. I just think it's so cool. And I get jealous in like a, in a positive way. Like, oh man, I want to be able to, to have those kind of achievements. How I'm ever going to do that, I don't know. But always believe in your dreams. So they can do whatever the hell they want now. They can win, they lose, and go left, they go up, they can go down. Whereas the Street Profits, despite being now the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, they haven't had that killer feud yet. Obviously, this won't be a long-term feud because they both go back to Raw and SmackDown. But they do need to start getting top-tier wins. And the only way to do that is to give them top-tier wins. I've seen the New Day lose countless times it's not going to bother me. I'm not going to think any less of them. And I wouldn't think any less of the Street Profits either, but they just gain so much more by beating someone like Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, especially if it's clean. And if you want to rerun this down the line, if you want to sort of tease it underneath 
whatever narratives you've got going on, especially because Big E's going to be on SmackDown, you should. And maybe you can do it again at WrestleMania. Maybe finally we'll unite the tag team belts. We won't, but I'd love to see that at WrestleMania 37. Yeah, that's right. I always get confused. And I know that you would assume that Big E gets involved here, but I just wouldn't. He doesn't need to. If you don't have any plans for Big E the singles guy, just don't have him on this show. I'm not saying I don't want to see him on Survivor Series, but you don't always need to book everybody for every show. There's no need. There is absolutely no need. So... He can come out afterwards and commiserate with a new day. He can come out in their corner. Again, I think that kind of <laughs> diminishes what they did a few weeks ago when they said goodbye, but it's not going to be the end of the world. But he shouldn't get involved and he shouldn't be a get-out-of-jail-free cause at all. I think that would suck. Uh, we're also going to get US champion Bobby Lashley versus IC champion Sami Zayn. I want them to have a great match. I want them to have time. But when you look at how Bobby Lashley's been booked recently and how Sami Zayn is booked all the time, you know, cowardly heel, I think Bobby Lashley's just going to run through him. May even kill him. It may happen. I don't know whether the whole, you know, because Sami Zayn tied Apollo Crews up in the in the ring apron to win his match. I mean, we're obviously going to go back to that feud once we're done with Survivor Series. We always do that. We have these big matches at that pay-per-view and then it doesn't matter the next day or the, or the next week on SmackDown. But I don't know whether he's going to you know, kind of come up with dumb finishes as part of his, you know, persona and his character. And if we do do that, I suppose he could steal a win here. But I just don't see it happening because Bobby Lashley's been treated like the king of all kings. Apart from Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, and I include Randy Orton in that, nobody's been booked better than Bobby Lashley. I've seen Randy Orton lose. I do not, I guess when he lost to Apollo Crews was the last time that Bobby Lashley suffered a defeat. They are treating him like a monster, as they absolutely should. The shame here is that he's just going to run through Sami Zayn, which I don't want. Again, just incredibly underrated. Sami Zayn can do everything. When he is the underdog from the underground, you really root for him as this swami jackass, you know, just bad person all around. He's so entertaining too. And I don't think, you know, him being squashed by Bobby Lashley helps anybody. It doesn't help Bobby Lashley because you kind of expect it. And it certainly doesn't help Sami Zayn. I really hope I'm wrong with this one. I really, really do because I think there's more we could do here. But of course, I'm going for Bobby Lashley, which is bad because now I've gone Raw, Raw, Smackdown, Raw, <laughs> which I don't think they'll do, especially because when it comes to the traditional Survivor Series matchups, oh no, I have gone one team Raw, one team Smackdown. With the women's one, I think team Smackdown should win. Uh, we don't know who the final two people on team Smackdown are going to be. I can't even think who they could be at the moment. I'm probably Natalia will be one and then somebody else. But it is Nia Jack, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce versus Bianca Belair, Ruby Wright, Liv Morgan. I'm going to say Natalia. And if another mate, a name jumps into my brain, I'm probably forgetting someone so obvious right now. Either way, maybe you can put Lars Sullivan on that team. I shouldn't have said it. I regret it. I take it back. The whole point of this to me is we should be building stars. And the biggest star in that match for me, or the one that has the most potential, is Bianca Belair. And we did kind of lay the lay a platform, the foundations for this. Because we had all those vignettes, which I really enjoyed. Thought they were really, really good. And then she gets into Team SmackDown with her qualifying match. But we haven't really seen much else. So I think she should eliminate at least three people from the other team. I mean, she can eliminate Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce. Potentially even Shayna Baszler. Don't know what we're going to do with Nia Jax. Um, obviously, you know, Lana and Nia Jax are probably going to do something with tables, but you can do that after the fact. Have Bianca Belair have a real showing here and make sure she's the last woman standing. Maybe she'll be the last woman standing with somebody else, but she should win this for SmackDown and that should be her launching pad to bigger things. I'm going to guess the other payoff is that Lana throws Nia Jax through a table and we're meant to see that as this momentous thing. I won't. <laughs> Which I shouldn't say is mean. It, it was funny. And then it lost its funniness and then it came back and then it went again. And now I just don't see the point. And because I assume that is going to be the resolution, I thought about this the other day. I'm like, am I going to get anything from that? Maybe a little bit of a chuckle, but I'm not going to be mad at either of them because I just don't care. <laughs> I have to care about the story to begin with. I'm much more interested in Bianca Belair getting a push, so um, I hope that happens. And then, yeah, we've got the other traditional Survivor Series match team, Raw Smackdown men. AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Riddle, Matt is dead, versus Kevin Owens, Jay Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and I'm going to presume Daniel Bryan. I had a really good pick earlier in the day as well. Now I've forgotten who the hell it was. I thought, oh, that person could go in there. It's totally gone. I'm a moron. Maybe it comes back. Again, you've got mini stories here. I'm going to assume that Braun Strowman and Keith Lee fall out so that they can do that feud because WWE's been all over that. Same with AJ Styles and Riddle. That's a cool program you can do and it makes sense. And then over on Team SmackDown, we've teased everything with Jey Uso and Kevin Owens. If you put Daniel Bryan into that mix and they somehow get into it here, 
falling out from this, you can do Roman and Jay versus Kevin and Daniel Bryan. And we've already talked about the tag team stuff with them. Seth Rollins is apparently leaving for a while after Survivor Series to have his baby with Becky Lynch, which is far more important than pro wrestling. So good for him. And King Corbin right now is not really involved in anything. So he could just be taken out by Keith Lee, I suppose, to give him a little bit of a something or a riddle. So he gets his revenge on Corbin. Who knows? Um, but to me, the star here, whether you agree with it or not, should be Sheamus. That must be where we're taking Drew after Survivor Series. It's got to be. Why else have we been doing all this friend stuff? I'd much rather they were a team, but I don't think WWE is going to do that, even though they do need more teams. Maybe you could stretch it out and they have a couple of tag team matches. But ultimately, if you are setting Sheamus up for a WWE title run, probably that goes through to the Royal Rumble, I would guess. You want him to feel like he's taken a step up, especially because he's lost a lot. So just have him run right here. Have him be the guy that wins it for Team Raw, maybe even with everybody else being eliminated. I don't know who he takes out to end the thing, but I'd have no problem with that. Imagine he took out Daniel Bryan with a bro kick in 18 seconds. <laughs> everybody be so mad. But that's certainly what I would do. And there's nobody else on that list that really needs it. I'd love it if Kevin Owens got a, a rub like that, or especially Jey Uso. I didn't think that Jey Uso had to... Uh, lose to Drew McIntyre on SmackDown. I never thought that I'd ever say anything like that. But he's been on such a tear, beating the likes of Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan and just sort of completely re-establishing re himself as a single star. If you had wanted to do shenanigans at that point, it's the one time I'd have been like, yes, which is a shame why they do it all the time because it negates that. But I think Survivor Series sounds like a good show. I think before we get there, there'll be a couple more matches, probably one on the pre-show. doesn't need to be. I'd keep it as it is and extend the ones that you should extend. Again, I'd like the women's title match to have some time, as I would like the main event, although not too long if we are going to do the Miz stuff. But, you know, the build has been weird and interesting. But again, on paper, I think it will be really, really fun. I think it'll be really, really interesting is probably too strong of a word because I don't think there's going to be any fallout to it and consequences sometimes make wrestling. But I am excited about it. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. And if you have any opinions, please do get in touch with me. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at SimonMiller316. We mentioned the Thunderdome. Sounds like the WWE are going to move in December. Uh, it's basically because the basketball is going to start up. The Orlando Magic needs to be back in there on December 22nd, which is around about a month from now. It's the 18th of November. So WWE needs a new venue and it seems like they are going to Tropicana Field, which I believe is still in Florida. I think it's a baseball stadium, maybe. That could be wrong. I don't know. Um, but uh, I imagine it's going to look the same. I think it's outdoors. So they may do what AEW is doing, and they may actually sell some tickets. That's going to be really hard. Like, if you're a, a fan of the Wrestling Observer radio or the newsletter, you will know that tickets for AEW aren't flying off the shelves at the moment. And that's because there's a pandemic going on and people are scared to leave their houses. But also because they're only in one place. And wrestling, traditionally, has been a touring brand. And I get that. You know, it's, it's like when I used to live in Bournemouth. Did I ever go to the beach? No. Why did I never go to the beach? Because it was right there. And when it's right there... It's like, well, I don't need to go because it's not going anywhere. It's the same with AEW. So WWE will be really successful when they first reopen their doors to fans. But if it doesn't move from that one position, you know, your potential audience is just so much smaller because things become commonplace and you have the law of diminishing returns. But it would be nice to have some fans back in the WWE show, don't get me wrong. Although I'm sure they'll still build up the Thunderdome to, to do everything they need to do. So it sounds like that's going to happen the next couple of weeks, so that'll be interesting. Maybe they tweak it a little bit. Who knows? Uh, also, if you're interested, the sword that Drew McIntyre used on Raw, which was absolutely... I was dying of laughter. So funny. Like he was born in 1422. It's Vince McMahon's sword, which was a present given to him by Stephanie McMahon in Triple H, which goes to show that they really know their father and father-in-law. Because when I read that, I was like, yep, it <laughs> sounds like something that he'd want. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was very funny. That tickled me. It tickled me a lot. And yeah, Rani Young or Rani Paquette, I think it's pronounced. Probably not. It's probably some pronunciation I can't do. She is starting a new podcast called Oral Sessions. And no, it's not about sex. I think that's the joke. And that starts on the 24th, which is a week yesterday. So this Tuesday. I think that'd be really good. I think she has a way about her, Renee Young. I'm just going to call her that because it just rolls off my tongue easier. I I think she um, will do really well with that because, yeah, it's just the, we saw what you could do. She, you saw what she could do in WWE. And all she has to do is copy and paste that across. Um, so I look forward to that. Also, of course, we should talk about the big thing at Survivor Series. My bad is 30 years of The Undertaker. The debate is whether or not we build to a match. Do we want that? Or, you know, because he's being built as this is the end. Goodbye, Undertaker. Thank you, Undertaker. 30 years in the business. Survivor Series 1990, blah, blah, blah. I do not fall on the side of the fence that many people do about this. I don't care. 
If Undertaker wants, I mean that in a good way. If Undertaker wants to continue, I totally get it. A, he's given pretty much all of his life to this. So it's going to be incredibly hard to, to walk away. And I always put myself in that position. If I was a professional wrestler and I had the tenure and the legacy that he did, I wouldn't want to give it up. Wrestling's badass, especially because he has the coolest entrance ever. And he has a gimmick where he can kind of do um, bells and whistles and get away with it. I'm not sure I would know too. And I get that people go, yeah, but it's not the same Undertaker and he's got injuries and he looks crap. Yeah, all right. But when I think about The Undertaker, people always say this, oh, he's ruined it. He's ruined his whole legacy. But to me, look, everyone's different. This is just my take on it. But he doesn't to me. When I think of The Undertaker, I do not think about the, you know, the train wreck with Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. I don't think about the awful thing back in Saudi Arabia with DX and Kane. I don't think about any of those things. I don't think about when he took on the giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania 9 or whatever it was, or his battles with the great Carly. I think about him fighting Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Batista, Edge, Kane. You know, these are the matches I think of, and I get excited. I watched the Brothers of Destruction documentary, which is um, 30 Years of the, the Dead Man, which they're doing on WWE Network. You absolutely have to watch it if you were a fan of that story and that feud and that era. It will give you goosebumps. It will make you nostalgic. It will make you yearn for all of that especially because they're laughing about the ridiculous stuff that they did. They knew it was dumb, but they also thought it was brilliant, which is exactly how I saw it. That's the stuff that sort of gets me excited and lights me up inside. And that's the overwhelming film feeling I have when I think about The Undertaker. So he can do whatever he wants now. It's established. I always say this, and some people don't agree again. I don't hate the original three Star Wars movies because the prequels sucked. I just don't watch the prequels and I forget they exist. I don't care because I love those three movies so much and it's the same with The Undertaker. So, you know, that kind of begs the question, who does he have a final match with? Obviously, Drew McIntyre wants it. AJ Styles wants it. I'm sure Roman Reigns would want another go around. Probably Randy Orton. I just, whatever, man. Just, I, I don't mean this badly. I do like him, but just not someone like Elias or a Baron Corbin. That's the only thing I don't want because it doesn't have the gravitas. To me, there is no point in doing that. But of course, if you told me at WrestleMania 37 we're doing Drew versus The Undertaker, I'd be on board, for better or worse. And you could be rolling your eyes now and say, Simon, let the man rest in peace. But it's his choice. He's the guy that's stepping back in the ring. So my point is, if he wants to, I will take it or, or leave it for, for what it is. He's done enough to always be wherever the hell he may be in your own personal table. Like, I don't think he's part of my... Would he be part of my best five wrestlers ever? I, this is a I mean, Bret Hart would be in there. Stone Cold Steve Austin would be in there. Ric Flair would be in there. Matcha Man Randy Savage would be in there. And it probably is The Undertaker slipping in, but I've probably forgotten somebody too. I'd need to sit down and really think about this. And obviously the real number one is Repo Man. We know this. That's a really tough question that I've just presented myself and have no need to answer, but I have backed myself, I have backed myself into a corner. I will have a proper think about it because I know I've done lists like this before on What Culture, but it changes all the time. Like I was, a, you know, Triple H for a, a few years there was just the, the, the greatest thing ever to me when I was younger and so on and so forth. So I don't mind whatever The Undertaker does. I'll enjoy it for what it is. I like that entrance. I like that it lasts 72 hours. It still gives me goosebumps. I still think it's the coolest thing ever. I just do. There's no point pretending otherwise. That's how I feel about it. I think it's absolutely badass. I'm not sure there's any other news going around. We talked about Gears of War and the New Day, which made me so damn happy and will do for, for a long time to come. Otherwise, we just got the two shows this evening. If you are watching or listening to this, I should say, on Wednesday, the 18th of November. I should have got a preview up before I started. Well, we've got the Young Bucks match. They teased a couple of weeks ago and then moved, I think, because one of them, Matt or Nick Jackson, was a bit banged up. Um, but you're getting, what the hell are they called? Uh, not Top Flight. Non-Flight was going to call them. So you've got Young Bucks versus Top Flight in their first match since they won the titles. So that will be exciting. Orange Cassidy versus Kip Saban makes perfect sense because that feud's going on. Everything with the inner circle going to Las Vegas is intriguing. Kind of surprised me they decided to do it in the middle of a global pandemic. But look, I'm not one to judge. We'll see what it is. And I think it's been confirmed that we're getting Cody and Darby versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. I think, to me, that's... I wouldn't say this pay-per-view worthy because AEW only run four pay-per-views a year. But it feels like a big deal because we've been building it for so long. Also getting Serena Deeb versus Thunder Rosa for the NWA women's title, also good. And we get a contract signing between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Any other time you told me we're doing a contract signing, I'd roll my eyes. But those two guys need to kick this off with a bang, especially because they only got two, three weeks before they have that match. So I'm kind of intrigued. And obviously the, the coolest thing of the night is Pack versus The Blade. Pack is back. I thought it was awesome. Again, one of those other things when we were like, how did we not call this after he did the promo the week before? And I know that um, Tony Khan did the tweet saying oh the game changer or whatever the hell he said changing the industry he's a promoter he's allowed to promote like 
I think he was probably referencing for something else that we'll get in due course. But to me, I was more than satisfied with it being a pack return. I love pack. Pack is flipping awesome. And now he's going to have his first match back. And it sounds like he's going to go into a feud with Eddie Kingston and Penta and Phoenix. I have no issues with this whatsoever. I thought it was great. And it makes me excited for the show. Um, and I think on NXT, we're getting a rematch between Leon Ruff and Johnny Gargano. And Io Shirai is taking on Rhea Ripley for the NXT title. You could see title changes on both of those matches. That's another controversial thing, isn't it? The, the joke, quote-unquote, between Leon Ruff and Johnny Gargano. I didn't mind it. I liked it. I thought Leon Ruff sold it with so much gusto and so much happiness and so much pleasure. It kind of made me like him even more. Um, so many people always oh, shouldn't do comedy title changes. I, I see where you're coming from, but I didn't have a problem with it. It was nice, and wrestling's meant to be entertaining. I know, blah, blah, boring, boring. But was I entertained? Yes. <laughs> That's it. I was entertained. I enjoyed myself. And if I ever walk away from a wrestling show enjoying myself, I'm not going to crap all over it. That seems mad to me. I think Finn Balor is back too. I should have got all this up. So that will be interesting. Hopefully he's not going to... Do you know what? Even if he is going to be out for ages, let's not... Let's not take it off of him. I don't care. I, we can't have another one after what happened to Killian Cross. But more specifically, what's happened to Finn Balor before. He'll get over his jaw eventually. Just keep it on him. Come up with storylines to keep him out the ring. And we'll see what's going to go on with, obviously, Pat McAfee and his group and the, the Undisputed Era. NXT's all right at the moment. I see some people... I think I like it more now than I have done in a while. I enjoyed Halloween Havoc a lot, too. I think we talked about that. Um, but two good shows. Two good shows. I'll be intrigued. Again, doesn't matter. But I am intrigued to see what the ratings are going to do. Held up okay against the election. And then last week, I think it was a little disappointing coming off of the pay-per-view. But, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Shaq, that, that, and that, look, I can't remember we talked about this. That's why they're getting Shaq in, right? They're getting Shaq to try and get more people to watch their product, which is another reason why I don't mind it. I didn't think that segment was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. But it's the, it's the one big reason why like, well, I can't crap over it because it's probably what I would do if I was running a wrestling company. Let's not pretend that running a wrestling company was easy. Otherwise, everybody would do it. So we'll see what happens. Otherwise, I don't think anything else has been going on major. Raw was raw. I don't think we need to get into it to too big a degree. I thought it was okay. The Jeff Hardy Elias stuff made me laugh because it, why that came back. I was like, why did I come back? I thought we were done, but, you know, whatever. It has been 20, two 20th anniversaries because, obviously, 1990... Um, it can't be... When, it, was, it must be longer. Basically, yesterday or the day before must have been 20... Three years since The Rock debuted at Survivor Series, because that was 97. Was it 96? That was 96, I think. Yes, it was. So it was 96. So it was 24 years since he debuted. Always a big deal to me, because if I had told you 24 years ago where we were going to be, no one would have believed me. But also, is the 20th birthday, I think today, maybe yesterday, of No Mercy. WWF No Mercy. And my controversial opinion on all of this is that I prefer WrestleMania 2000. It's exactly the same game. No Mercy has more options and more modes. But it also has terrible frame rate. If you play it today on updated frame rate, No Mercy is the better game. But back when I was but a fetus, I always preferred WrestleMania 2000. Secretly, I think the best one was WCW versus NWO Tour. But only because that was the first one I played. And the first one you play is always going to be the best. It's just, it's just the way of it. It's like your version of wrestling you grow up on is always going to be the best version because it's the first time you see it and you're innocent and you haven't been made cynical by the internet. It's why some people... I see what they're saying, but to many young kids, I mean, probably John Cena, but now, especially if you are getting into it, which I know is less, but you know, if it was a Shawn Michaels or a, a Hulk Hogan or a Bret Hart or a Steve Austin, a John Cena and a Roman Reigns are, you know, they'll be their guys. And when they get to our age, if they're sort of like five, six, seven, eight years old, they'll be the people they look back on fondly. And when WWE wills them back out because they can't help but do that with legends, they'll go crazy for because wrestling is cyclical. And so I think it's the same with a video game as well. That would be a hard thing to do. Top five wrestling video games ever. I mean, No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000 would be in there. But then so would World Tour and WCW vs. NWA Revenge. And that's four. And then you probably have to put Here Comes the Pain. And I've missed out so many. I've missed out so many good ones. And I've become an absolute arsehole. That's a really hard thing to do. Uh, maybe we'll do that too. We'll do top 10 wrestlers and we'll do top 10 video games. I have to sit down and really think about it. It could be tough. But yeah, obviously all focus on Survivor Series right now. Um, I think it will be a, a decent enough show. SmackDown, I think is... SmackDown and Dynamite, I think, are the two best wrestling shows on television in terms of their consistency characters and uh, constantly surprising you. And I always enjoy Raw, <laughs> for better or worse. Half the time, I don't know what's going on. I think everything we've done with the women's and the men's team teams for Survivor Series has been... 
nuts. <laughs> just two. I think it's been crazy. But it's been. Th- I think they've both been saved by good performances. Maybe less so on the women's side. Um, but I think AJ Styles being the captain of the team really has... He's he's held it together, and I've I've enjoyed all that massively. So so more power, some more power to all of them. I try and enjoy it as as much as I can, as you already know. And yet it's funny with Dynamite because they seem to to me when I watch it, they seem to be really consistent and really have a focus. And yet that's not necessarily being reflected in the ratings. But who knows why? I think more people are watching it per home or something crazy. Maybe that's raw. I can't remember. Who even cares? I don't. <laughs> I couldn't care less. Let me just check a news site in case that one time when something did break and I missed it and I never forgave myself. Not true. I forgave myself the next day because that's not a thing. Um, I, impact, really. I mean, impact was impact is impact. Turning point was fine. Uh, the show they did today, last night, was fine. Uh, the Rascals have now left. It sounds like that Xavier and Wentz are heading to NXT and Trey Miguel may be going to AEW, also following them to NXT. Talking about that, Matt Seidel side with AEW, not a massive surprise. That was always going to go down. And next week on Impact, we're getting Swan versus Shamrock, which I think is for the world title. Um, and then we'll clearly build to Rich Swan versus Moose. I will say that for Impact Wrestling, for all the gaga and madness that they do. Uh, I didn't necessarily like all the EC3 stuff when it was happening. And now in hindsight, looking at it, ba- looking back on it, I'm like, no, actually, it turned Moose into the to the main eventer that they wanted him to be and what they were and what they were aiming for. So you, you, it was really well done. It really, really was well done. And I, I will say this. I am intrigued to see who the hell is going to be Jordine Grace's partner for the women's tag team match. I've been trying to go through women that have recently retired, and it wasn't recent, but the only one that could come up with that obviously is synonymous with Impact and TNA is Gail Kim. I mean, she could easily come back and do this, but does she want to? Arguably not, especially when there's no fans around. I am probably forgetting about somebody obvious. I do that a lot. Um, but I really enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed that Tennille Dashwood, because most times in wrestling, Tennille Dashwood and Alicia Edwards, both being kind of bad guys, they probably would have got on. But no, Tennille Dashwood is such an eager egomaniac, she still screwed over her team. I was a really big fan of that. I thought that was really, really fun. Uh, on that note, let's answer some questions. As always, I ask these every week in random places, but they usually go up on my Twitter at Simon316. If you want to give me a follow, I'd appreciate it, because you know how 2020 works. The more numbers you have, the bigger your ego grows. <laughs> Not even your ego, your self-worth. And we all want to fill up our self-worth tanks. So we'll start with... <laughs> this is why I don't read them beforehand. We will start with Tamas Island, which is the podcast from Tamatonga, who's got a brand new look. And they says, are you still in therapy after, after Haku's friendly hello to you? And I will reply. To, actually, no, I, can't, I can't reply and talk. It's too hard. My brain falls to pieces, but I will reply to that. Uh, if you don't know, I'll tell the story. So WrestleMania in New York, whichever the hell, that must have been 35. Yes, it was because it wasn't that long ago. Uh, WrestleMania 35, we were doing everything with Tamatonga and all the stuff we were doing on What Culture. And we went to the Bullet Club barbecue. I can't remember what it's called now. And the idea was that at one point Tamatonga was going to kick us out. And we we're going to make a big fuss and try and make it look like a real, a real thing, like not a work. And unfortunately, Tamatonga hadn't clued up his dad Haku and I'm sure you all know the stories about Haku so he thought these you know this bunch of asshole British people were screwing up his son's party and he chased us out for real and he was mere not even inches mere millimeters from hitting me when he swung and I probably would have been knocked out I probably would have died and there is a video on this on what culture wrestling that I implore you do watch it's hilarious and then after all was said and done we apologized and it was all fun given how it did go I'm happy that it did because it made it look more real because it was. So thank you, Tamas Island. Make sure you listen to that podcast too. It's very good. Tamatonga, just breaking kayfabe completely, is a wonderful human being. He really is. And it's good to see him back in New Japan. Uh, the Geek Box has ignored my question entirely and says, what move do you wish? Oh, no, sorry. I've re- I misread your question, The Geek Box. I'm so sorry you didn't. I retract that, retract, retract. Uh, what move do you wish you could add to your arsenal? Well, I mean, a 450. Uh, a shooting star, a moonsault, a frog splash. I can't do anything off the top rope. I absolutely suck. But I think if you can work in those things, um, actually I say that I do, I did have down a, a kind of a different, it's not really a frog splash, a splash just before the pandemic hit. I was working on it because I thought it would look good and I've never been able to bust it out. But of course, busting it out in training and busting it out in a real match is a different thing. But yeah, anything high flying would be awesome. I know everyone says there's too much of that these days, but it's more about having it in your back pocket. If you can do everything, you can probably have a match with anyone. Terry says, what's next for the Bucks and the championships? 
It's a great question. I'm going to assume they're going to go round two with FTR. I mean, AEW doesn't usually do that. They usually put those on the back burner. So maybe they do kind of try and elevate a tag team like full flight or top flight, whatever the hell they're called. It's a really good question. I don't know. If we don't go to FDR and we don't maybe put like the proud and powerful in there, which we could do. They've never really gone from the tag titles. Maybe Miro and Kip Sabian once they're done with the best friends. Interesting question. I don't know. Jonathan Hammond says, it looks as though AEW is open to crossovers with AAA NWA and have been hinting towards New Japan. When the territories did this, it led to the formation of the NWA as a super territory. Do you think AEW can end up being part of an international super promotion? Well, this kind of ties into the idea that if Ring of Honor, AAA, NWA, AEW, um, who knows who else, got together, they would actually be able to force to take on WWE. But I just don't think that's how the business works anymore. I think if you've got a company, the whole idea is just to make sure that you're profitable. And you should absolutely always be open to working with other people. Not if you're WWE, that's not their way. But I think it's better for the fans. I think it opens up a different door. Um, I don't think that's going to happen um, just because of the politics of wrestling. Because you're always going to have people in charge of different companies and, you know, the New Japan chief will be like, well, I don't want this guy to lose. And the AEW go, I don't want this guy to lose. And same with the NWA person. That will always happen, even if it's only here and there compared to back in the day. I certainly wouldn't be against it. I've just finished reading both of Jim Ross's books. And actually, when you read about the territories, there is a certain, uh, what's the word, tradition, I suppose, or a certain nostalgia to them. And you could probably make it work in 2020. But I think right now, focusing on yourself is probably the best bet, especially given what's going on in the world. Uh, Not Very G says, Belt aside, what's the best victory gimmick? E.g. the AEW Diamond Ring, Otis's Money in the Bank briefcase, or Dominic Mysterio? I don't really know what that means. What's the best victory gimmick? Victory gimmick, the AEW Diamond Rings. Oh, I guess something that you win. There's not that many things, is there? Because yeah, MGF won the diamond ring. Otis won money in the bank. Uh, I don't. I, I quite like the briefcase in Japan, New Japan. But again, that's kind of just money in the bank. I can't really think of one. I probably got that question wrong. Uh, Lightning says, "Will Simon Miller meet Eddie Kingston in the ring on AEW Dynamite?" I mean, look, in my dreams, yes. If you don't know, uh, Eddie Kingston called me out the other day, and I absolutely loved it. I'm a massive wrestling mark, a massive wrestling nerd. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. Look, if I ever get booked to have a match in AEW or Ring of Honor or uh, WWE, whatever. It doesn't matter who is against. It doesn't matter how I'm used. This is genuinely how I see it. Maybe it's not the right attitude, but it's my attitude. I will be totally blown away because how the hell did I even get into this position? Which kind of ties into the next question by Lunatic, who says, who would you rather work for? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. These are all top-class companies. And if they actually thought I could bring something to them, even if it's just getting my ass kicked, how the hell did I do that? Uh, Sweet Chinwag Podcasts. Uh, Also Dan, because he signed this off here. What do you think would help the build to Survivor Series? It always felt like such a big event, but less less so now for one of the big four. Adding stakes or giving some kind of recognition to the team that wins? Yeah. I mean, my big thing is separate it from the brand split. Do the brand split earlier in the year, probably post-WrestleMania. But also just have some kind of thing on the line with Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Maybe it's number 30 in the Raw Rumble. I know it doesn't always work that way because you could have multiple people surviving. Maybe it's the people that win go into the Elimination Chamber and usually, you know, once somebody has won the Raw Rumble, the other Elimination Chamber is for the title. Just something like that. You know, make it like the Raw Rumble where it means something. Make it like WrestleMania where it means something. SummerSlam kind of lives and dies on its card. That doesn't mean you can't work something into Survivor Series. So, yeah, I would like to see that. Um, Chris Hyde says, Simon, where can we find your podcast? I'll respond to you individually. Uh, Oliver says, what would have changed if Antonio Noki was officially recognized as WWF champion in the 70s? I mean, I don't think a lot. I think maybe at the time it would have ruffled some feathers and, and created some mainstream buzz. But, you know, we know the whole story now anyway, and it doesn't really make a difference. So those things to me are always in a bubble. Like when Hulk Hogan ragged on the WWF title and said the IWGP championship was the real world championship. It was, it had effects at the time but now it's just a cool story to tell and i think that would be the same wesley says where do you see the industry in 10 years still the two major players and a strong indie scene or perhaps more big players stepping up aew success shows there is more room for big outfits i actually disagree with you um two is probably the maximum you can do in terms of if you want to call them big outfits to use your words i think if you had a third one prop up unless it was going to offer something utterly different and i mean a complete alternative um and aew is an alternative to some extent but it still it still blurs the lines i just do not think 
I just think it would be I think it'd be too much. I think that people would actually watch less wrestling. We always have we already have too much wrestling as it is. So it's just gonna be another offering of what we know as Western professional wrestling. I actually think it would burn each other be people out, which is why we won't get a third brand. I think other people know this too. I mean we're still gonna get the extra hour of AEW, which is more content to watch. I think hopefully the scene will be stronger, depending what happens post pandemic. But I think it will be niche companies. I don't think you're going to have super duper companies other than AEW and WWE. Uh, Winter Decay says, was the business better before Vince McMahon? I mean, it's a tough question to answer because the my favorite brand of pro wrestling is Vince McMahon Pro Wrestling, right? I was drawn to the World Wrestling Federation before I learned about anything else. And it's filled with my favorite memories, my favorite characters, and so on and so forth. So arguably not. It depends whether if you want to talk about business. I mean, it was better for the people that weren't Vince McMahon. <laughs> Absolutely better for Vince McMahon. That's something you can just argue until the cows come home. And I don't really think there's a right answer. Uh, Vince McMahon wanted to take it global. He did. You know, and th- that changed everything. Would we really want what it was before? I imagine a lot of people who grew up on that wouldn't. So maybe not. Uh, Master Skywalker says, where do you think AEW will be in five years? Do you think New Japan will make a big impact on the US? And who do you think will be the next top star in a year or so? Uh, Hangman Page, I think, is the next big breakout star um there's probably somebody else i'm forgetting now but he would be the first one keith lee if you know wwe push him properly as for AEW, i just hope it's bigger i hope it's got better ratings and i hope it's making more money i don't think it's going to be sort of massively different to what it is now because they seem to have found their footing with this but i just hope that it's making enough cash that it can you know make a serious dent in the industry because it's a great product and i don't want it to go anywhere fm qatar says your favorite undertaker moment uh any of his returns most of them i love an undertaker return but given that I watched that documentary the other day, when Kane and Undertaker look at each other at Bad Blood and that Hell in a Cell, flub me sideways. That is a moment and a half. I absolutely love it. I almost cried. So I think you've got to put that in there. Uh, Mindrunner says, what has been your scariest non-kayfabe moment in wrestling, both as a fan as a wrestler? Well, I don't know about scary, but the Owen Hart stuff was... I was watched it live, so I suppose that was scary in the, at the time. Worst thing to ever happen in wrestling. Uh, and as a wrestler, it was when I hurt my shoulder uh, in my fifth ever match. Well done, Miller. But I, I wouldn't call it fear. I would call it apprehension because, well, definitely fear afterwards. When you get a massive injury like that, your body knows straight away and it sends all these messages. I'm sure if you've done it too, you'll know. It sends all these messages to your brain, like, you know, warning, warning. But because you're still filled with adrenaline, you just hope that it's uh, a tweak. And then when I tried to push myself up off the canvas and I just collapsed on the floor, that's when they stopped the match, which I was pissed off about. I didn't want to stop. Um, But yeah, when you try and push yourself up and you can't, you're then like, well, shit, what do I do? And then when you get taken backstage and you try and take your, I tried to take something off. I wasn't wearing a top. I was wearing my singlet. And you just can't lift your arm past your belly button. You think, oh man, then the, the fear really, really sets in. Because you can't compare it to anything else. Like in my second match, I got busted open with a steel chair. But as sadistic as this sounds, I fucking loved it. I don't know why I swore then. Never swear on these things. Just did. But I did. I thought it was great. You touch it and you feel your own blood and you start wiping it on yourself because you've been watching wrestling for so years. I mean, that's maniacal. <laughs> and I should probably be locked away. But I guess I thought, well, this could look really cool. And that's what I got excited about. I thought, well, that adds to the, to the match. It adds to the chair shot because now I'm busted open. So... Yeah, that wasn't scary, but the injury was, especially because I kind of knew it was bad and I knew I was going to be out of action for a while and I got scared in that sense too. But hey, man, do it for the love of the biz. Mark Kingston says, everyone is calling for Big E to win the Rumble, but who would you go for if the winner came from Raw? Oh, well, I need a flipping roster up in front of me. I mean, a Keith Lee, probably, I would say, should do it. Um, I wouldn't be against Riddle doing it if I had a plan. I think Keith Lee, I think that would be a great way to turn him into a, a superstar within within one night. So yeah, that's what I would do. Uh, Jason's Day Out says, what is the kayfabe reason for having kindo sticks under the ring in every promotion? Additional chairs and tables can be left over after setting up, but are we to believe the ring crew <laughs> run a dojo during the day? I mean, the answer is yes. There is no reason other than the fact that wrestlers like to hit each other with kendo sticks. Nico, do you feel like WWE main roster is a different product when compared to NXT and AEW? No, I kind of see them all the same. I just do. They're just wrestling. I probably shouldn't, but I do. Tea Drinker, is there anything specifically you think is missing from WWE right now that it really needs aside from fans? Well, I think everything what they did in Drew and Roman and everything especially they've done with Sasha Banks and Bailey, proves that long-term story... Uh, Jey Uso and Roman Reigns, I should say. Long-term storytelling is not dead. And long-term storytelling Telling, especially the way they do it is absolutely fantastic so i would rather they segued back into that and just to give people more 
importance. Like you take someone like Tucker, who could have got at least six, eight, 12 weeks out of this stuff with Otis, but instead is just a nothing guy on Raw. That just seems crazy to me. It's not going to, um, what's the word, endear you to your fans because they're going to be confused. New people aren't going to know what's going on. And why would you reduce and relegate Tucker in that sense? And it's not massively helped Otis. You know, he hasn't gone on a tear or anything like that. Oh, he's the other guy that could be in the Survivor Series. You could put Otis in there. But yeah, that's what I would like to see them do. Just really think these things out and not kind of make these instinctive changes. Because I just don't think it works. Uh, Surreal says, why isn't the Spine Buster still a finish? The move looks so devastating, can come out of nowhere. It's perfect. Well, it can be. You just have to reteach fans. It will be. Look at the Hurt Lock, right? Which is just a, um, I can't remember what you called it now, uh, Full Nelson. It's, you know, it, you ha I, I wouldn't say I necessarily massively believe it like I did a sharpshooter or a, a figure four or something like that. Not really a figure four, but all you have to do is tell people this is the most devastating move ever and you should buy it and then get people to win with it all the time. Like if, again, Keith Lee starts winning all his matches with a spine buster and the commentators really put it over in six to eight months, we'll be like, oh man, that's a devastating move. No one kicks out the spine buster. So it all depends on what your plan should be. Uh, Derek, do you see Eddie Kingston getting a title run within the year? No, I don't. Um, I just don't think it's on the cards. I don't think he needs the TNT championship. I think his time after the world championship is done. And I don't think either side benefits. Eddie Kingston will be over regardless because he can talk. And that's all you need to do. Wrestling with ourselves. What is your most controversial wrestling hot take? Well, I suppose that I'm not super pissed off that The Undertaker lost at WrestleMania 30. Maybe I should be, but I'm not. Otherwise, do I have a hunt? I mean, I probably have loads. I'll have to think about it. If one pops into my in my brain, I will shout it out. Um, Barry Mexico says, I want your honest thoughts on The Fiend's girlfriend. Interesting. I know she's not, but my simple mind puts it together in that manner. Interesting, Barry. I mean, that hasn't been established at all. I like Alexa Bliss as part of the Bray Wyatt, Fiend, Firefly, Funhouse stuff. I think it's re re um, rejuvenized that character. I think it's quite fun. I'm quite liking it. I think she's very good in the role. I don't know where it's going to go, but week to week it's fine. Wasn't a massive fan of the most recent Firefly Funhouse. Shout out to the guy that called me an asshole for not liking it on Twitter. But it wasn't really based on the whole concept. It was just that one. Uh, Homie says, what should be on the line at Survivor Series? Oh, we've kind of done that. We, we've talked about that one already. Uh, Scotty Duhotti, imagine it was him. What would it take for a Cena rock level superstar to be made in 2020? For Vince McMahon to be willing to risk the fact they may leave the company when they get to that level. I think it's quite clear the likes of The Rock, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Stone Cold, who basically grew out, and Hulk Hogan, who grew out of WWE and were almost as big or not bigger than the company, forced, well, he felt forced to make sure that WWE was always the name of the marquee as opposed to wrestlers. So that would be the first thing to go. And then actually getting behind a guy and believing in them and pushing them and not assuming they can change ratings within two to three weeks because word has to spread. Um, and also you need the talent. I'm sure there are some people that I'm not thinking of, but you need the talent. Uh, Matthew Chance, The Miz cashing in on Sunday, super high. Um, Alejandro, how would you put the IC, IC title to make it relevant once again? You just need Sami Zayn to have big matches and win. That's it. And for him to continually tell you over again, the IC championship is important. The IC championship is important. Then in six months, guess what? The IC championship is important. Uh, Black Rain, who do you see as a breakout up-and-coming wrestler in any promotion? Uh, well, if Hangman Page hasn't broken out, I'd throw him in there again. I think in the future, Jungle Boy is going to be massive. Same with MJF. Uh, Adam Cole, if he gets moved up to the main roster and is treated like he should be, would be huge. Other than that, there's probably loads of guys that I can't think of. One will come to me. John Silver. Shivam says, talk about... Oh, no, I'm not doing that one. Pixel says, where is the best place in the UK that has knocked out some of the best wrestlers? Oh, I don't know about that. I wouldn't want to say. I'm sure there's loads of amazing training places. Um, yeah, there's absolutely loads. Uh, Lorne says, would you like to see Kenny Omega versus CM Punk? I would. Stone Wrestling Guy says, will wrestling ever return to the mainstream success it celebrated decades ago? I actually don't think so. I'm not saying it can't get to massive success, but the reason it had so much mainstream success back in the day is because it was competing with far less. The thing with the rise of the internet and social media is that you have to compete with a thousand things more. So I think you could get to a equivalent level in 2020, but just by its nature, that would be less of the way that 2020 is set up but i do think it will have a boom at some point but it could be a long ass time um where am i gonna go next mayor says do you think aew uh should do 
a triple or four five ways for the title. Oh, I see what you mean. Triple threat matches, fatal four ways. I like it the way it is, but do you think with the right story or situation it would be warranted or should they stay away completely? No, they should absolutely do it. Variety and diversity is the key to wrestling in all walks of life. Uh, yeah, you're right. They haven't done much stuff like that, but when the situation calls for it, yeah, bring it in. And not doing it as much will just make it you know, have more gravitas. It'll feel more important. Sometimes in WWE, we do run these stipulations into the ground. Good question. The answer is yes. Um, where am I going? Jamie says, who was a better promo, The Rock or Stone Cold? I mean, probably The Rock. But I mean, that's... On, on some days, I'd say Stone Cold. They were different. The Rock was more entertaining. Stone Cold was more real. You know, they, they played off each other wonderfully. Uh, the Dork's Delight, do you think the screw job was a work? I'm not talking about that. It's boring. <laughs> I'm only kidding. It is boring, though. Samuel says, what's the future for the British wrestling scene? Oh, man. I, I think it's going to be okay. Is it going to be the same as what it was? No. Is it going to have to go through a huge revolution and evolution? Yes. But do I think there's still going to be a bunch of smaller companies running really interesting and fun shows that you can go along to at the weekend? Absolutely. And hopefully I can be part of those shows if I'm lucky enough to be offered it. Um... Everything's going to be different after the pandemic. Everything's going to be different after all the um, the reveals of the the sexual harassment stuff. And so it should be. We need to knock that stuff out and we need to make wrestling a more safe and more inclusive place. And if we can do that, then all of this, it won't be worth it, but it will be the silver lining. But I think the British wrestling scene will be fine. Uh, SMH says, what will happen with the Dark Order when Brody League comes back? Do they fracture? Well, I think he's going to kick all their ass. Apparently, he's injured at the moment, but that kind of works because it sells his loss to Cody Rhodes really well. And yet, when he does return, he's going to be super mad and it's going to be awesome. Rat Fink 316, what's the greatest IC title match of all time? I mean, mine would be Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart SummerSlam 91, I think. But that ties into nostalgia and you can't beat nostalgia. Nathan, where were you when The Undertaker's streak was broken? I was at work. <laughs> so I used to work uh, for a video game website. And I had a major deadline or something on that day. So I went to work and I was doing all my work. And in the corner, I had it open on my screen and headphones on as I pretended to work. Well, I was working, but I was also watching it. So when that taker match was going on, because it wasn't particularly good, I kind of zoned out and then zoomed back in during the ending. It was like, oh my gosh, I still remember it. Gave me goosebumps, gave me chills. It's why it was so good. It's why I'm kind of not against it. That one moment alone potentially was worth it. Whether or not Brock Lesnar... Uh, was the right person. Callum, what do you enjoy more? Watching wrestling on TV with someone or alone, pay-per-views included. I never watch wrestling with anybody else because I have to watch it at super unsociable hours. But obviously, watching with a friend is always better. It's like co-op. Co-op is always better. Um, I can't pronounce your name, so I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, it's not even a name. It's just random words. Archie, how did you get into wrestling? I want to start watching, but I don't know where to start. Well, I just found it when I was a kid. I found it was a kid. I saw Bret Hart. I liked it. And then I went away to university. I didn't watch it. And then I just fell back into it when I learned about all the backstage stuff. I mean, you just got to watch it and see if you like it. Maybe you don't like it. Just tune in and see what happens. Um, Australian Gothic Heritor says, what are your thoughts on Australian wrestling? Unfortunately, not educated enough in that area, but I probably should be. Eleanor, how would you actually feel if WWE did a wedding between Murphy and Aaliyah Mysterio? Well, I don't like wrestling weddings, which you will know if you watch Impact Ups and Downs. It, again, it's about execution. You could do a good one. I think they're a little bit done at the moment. We've seen a lot in wrestling, so I would try and stay away. But it would be quite funny. The question, of course, is, is do we believe Murphy? Or is he going to screw her over? I do enjoy everything they've done with that storyline. I thought it was quite fun. Yes, it was dumb. Yes, it was stupid. But once again, I was entertained. And that's it. Uh, Aronymous says, A question I've always wondered answered is, why do people actually like wrestling above so many other things? Well, I suppose they're just passionate about it. And maybe they don't have that much in their life, so they really latch on to wrestling. And that's great when it's positive. When it's when they go nuts on the internet, it's a bit different. But there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Colfer, do you see the Rascals making an impact, excuse the pun, if and when they move to NXT? Or will they be another team lost in the shuffle and ultimately disbanded? I mean, you could never call that. You don't know. I don't think they'd bring them in just to have them there. I don't think at the moment they're that big a team that, you know, them being on impact is affecting NXT. I hope they give them their due. Doesn't mean they're going to swing or swim, but I hope they get their opportunity. I really like those guys. I think they're really, really good. Uh, Paddy says, if there was one match event you could point to that sums up modern wrestling, which would it be? Well, I guess AEW Revolution. If you want to talk about modern wrestling, that was kind of modern wrestling just pushed in together. I mean, that could be wrong, but I think that's where it's going. 
Who knows? Red Garrick says, I may be biased, but I'd love to know how the idea of masked wrestlers came about. I guess the question would be, why did they invent masked wrestlers? I don't really know, Red. I'm going to look up at this and I'm going to get back to you. Uh, Ian says, in your opinion, what is the most underrated wrestling match of the last two years? I like questions like that, but nothing is going to come to the top of my mind. I'd have to sit down and really go through everything. Um, so I don't know <laughs> is the answers. Um, Pride says, once the crowds come back, do you think we should have the occasional cinematic match? Absolutely. Look at what Matt Hardy did. What is sleep? Do you think AEW know how to book big men properly? And if not, how would you go about changing that? I don't think we've had enough of the company to start making judgments like that. It's my, um, it's the one thing about the women's division. We, I know it's been a year, but it's still not long enough. Give it another year and then we can kind of talk about those kind of things. Uh, J-Man says, Simon, why are wrestlers' hairs always wet? Good question. It's because they pour water over it before they come out because they think it looks good. I kind of see what they mean. I also pour water over my bald head when I came out, and I don't even know why. I just do it, probably because other people do it. J-E says, what's the worst chair shot you've seen in WWE? For one, for me, it's the HBK when he hit Undertaker in the back in 97. No, dude, no. I mean, you're allowed your opinion. It's when The Rock, and there'll be worse ones too, but it was when The Rock hit Ken Shamrock right in the face in probably 1998. That one is absolutely horrendous and never should have happened, ever. Uh, James says, what moves would you never attempt? Well, Frog Splash. Uh, not Frog Splash, sorry. 450 and Moonsault. Phoenix Splash, nothing like that. I would die. Um, the Tribal Teeth, good name, says, would you rather see Ric Flair's world title record be broken or not? If so, who would you choose to break it? I don't really mind. I, mean, I don't really hold that in great esteem. I know that Ric Flair does, but I wouldn't be devastated if John Cena broke it or Randy Orton broke it. I don't think Triple H would break it at this time. It's just a number, man, you know? Like, even if John Cena breaks it, doesn't mean he's had a better career than Ric Flair. I mean, you can argue that he has. It depends what you like. But those things to me are just figures. They're just cool things to promote. I don't, I, it doesn't bother me at all. Maybe it should. Maybe I'm an asshole. Uh, rated R No More says, when would be the right time for the Undisputed Era to come to the main roster? Well, based on <laughs> experience, never. Mike, who's winning the men's and women's Raw Rumbles? I'm going to go Big E and I'm going to go Bianca Belair. Good work, Brain. I like it. Philip, did you have an arc in mind for your character? And if so, what was the beginning and what do you think the payoff might have been? Are you overall happy with how it went? I'm going to presume you're talking about my wrestling career. Well, my character was exactly what people had seen on YouTube because I felt like it was silly to pretend otherwise. And then I hoped to evolve it into its own thing, but I never got a chance because obviously 2000 shut down. So no, not happy with it at the moment because... I never got a chance. I was still adjusting to sort of, you know, live matches every week. But hopefully we can get back to it and then I can, uh, yeah, I can, I can go and do that. Uh, Quinton says, most painful move ever taken. I was putting this submission once. I don't even know what it's called. It was just some kind of like octopus hold. And I'm pretty sure the guy just had it on for real. Ah, oh, I was so, so broken afterwards. It hurt so damn much. Uh, Auntie Collins says, sorry, queer Auntie Collins. I don't want to mention your name. Uh, how did you mentally prepare for your first wrestling match? I mean, I was terrified. <laughs> you know, absolutely terrified and worried and scared and excited and I couldn't wait. And, you know, I just, I remember sat in my hotel room and I had all these emotions running through me. But the crazy thing was, as soon as my music hit, I went out there and I got a very nice reaction, which I can't say thank you enough for. All of that just washed away and I was completely in the moment. And I think that's why people get addicted to wrestling. So you can mentally prepare or mentally unprepare yourself as much as possible. But then as soon as it hits you, it's like Austin said it best, right? It's like a drug and you better accept it because you're hooked. And even on a tiny scale compared to what he did, it was absolutely phenomenal. And I miss it desperately. I really, really do. Um, Lou says, if you were in a street fight, would you give someone a pedigree to strike the destruction on your knees? I mean, if I could, yeah. Imagine that in a fight. You look like a badass. Uh, Shea Butter says, what happened to your audition video for joining AEW? Uh, I don't really think it was an audition video. It was just me trying to be Sean Spears' tag team partner. I mean, the pandemic hit. I don't know if that was going to go anywhere or it was just them, you know, randomly putting me on the screen. But yeah, the, 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 the pandemic hit and borders shut down. And I had far more things to worry about. Again, who knows what the future holds? I don't expect anything. I don't know anything. But I like to dream big. Uh, Jay, do you think pro wrestling could benefit from putting out 4K or ultra-wide content? No, nah, not really. I don't really think it matters anymore. And there's probably some stuff already on the network. No one even has the right TV with this stuff. So they're brand new consoles. Eh, 
It's cool, but it's, it's whatever. I know some people love it. Uh, Cavfan1972, does Eddie Kingston think wrestling is real? I actually think when Eddie Kingston wrestles, it is real. I really, really do. Uh, Foghorn says, you can only choose one pairing to build your company around. Hogan and Savage, Flair and Sting, Andre and Bruno, Rock and Austin, Brett HBK, uh, NWO, um, and then that's it. Well, Rock and Austin, because they were the biggest draws ever, and you've got the perfect dynamic there straight away. Um, I don't think you could top that, even with Hogan and Savage. I think Rock and Austin, you could argue that Hogan was the biggest. I know it depends on certain factors. But together, I think Rock and Austin are probably properly untouchable. Uh, Millhouse says, would you rather take a flat back bump on concrete or perform an elbow drop from the top of the ladder? I mean, both are awful. I'd probably say the elbow drop from the top of a ladder. I think you could protect yourself more. Throwing yourself onto concrete is not smart, friends. Do not do it. Um, I'm not going to answer that one. We've done it a thousand times. Josh Holmes, do you think there is still a place for the Thunderdome after fans return? Yes, I think they'll keep it there just in case they can't let fans back in or something changes. They're going to want to do that. Beast, how far is AEW from WWE? I don't view it like that. I think they're both awesome and that's all that matters. And we'll do a couple more. Let me try and find some. Um, Ghost says, why is pro wrestling a joke to most of society? Why do fans get grief for liking it? Well, I mean, that's the same with everything. Like, look at someone like BTS, right? They get, people don't, people just don't get it. Because they don't get it, they react. Eh, it happens with all walks of life. Who even cares? Like, even if you like My Little Pony. My Little Pony people get grief. It's because people just think it's weird. Because people, they don't know. Who even knows why? Maybe they're mad because they see you getting such enjoyment and they don't know how to get that yourself. And we will finish it. Not that one. It's the stupidest question I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Stephen, as we approach the 30th anniversary celebration of The Undertaker's debut Survivor Series, what is your version of the dead man and why is it big, evil, American badass? You know how I feel about this, Stephen. My favorite version is the original one because I was a kid, right? And that's when I think about it. I totally believed it. I thought it was an undead zombie with some strange pale guy going, oh, yes. I was like, what's going on? That's my favorite, which is why the original Kane is my favorite too. Because I was just on that cusp. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. So uh, it's always going to be the original. And that's probably the same with a lot of characters. Again, all based on age. We forget that sometimes wrestling really, it's not aimed at children, but children are always going to get the most out of it. Because you've got to be innocent. And you're never more innocent than when you are a child. What a poetic way to end this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. If you do want to support, it's patreon.com forward slash simonmiller316. Uh, also, shout out to pinsandknuckles.com for always helping me out. Uh, got new merchandise, simonmiller.bigcartel.com. Check that out. Come say hello on Instagram and Twitter at simonmiller316. Check my YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Miller. Smashing content up there all the time. I think that's it. I'll let you go. Uh, if you're on iTunes or whatever podcast app, give me a rating. Give me five stars. That helps the algorithm. It gets the podcast out there more. Otherwise, yeah. Have a good day. Have a good week. Enjoy Survivor Series, and I'll talk to you next week. Yeah.